Welcome to Rich Conversations. Today, we're joined by Juan Diana, all the way from Montevideo, Uruguay. And even though we're so far apart geographically, what's nice is that in the Western Hemisphere, the time zones are, are pretty similar. So it's actually uh, not too difficult to schedule this. And we had a lot of fun. He's a software engineer. We talk music, technology, and traveling. He's, he's done some hiking. He recently got back from Spain when he, he took a hike there across the country. And it's such a great episode. It's a lot of fun. I think you'll really enjoy it. You can follow him on Instagram at WanDiana7. Let's begin. Welcome to Rich Conversations. This is another great episode because we have Juan Diana. That's how I pronounce it, right? Did I get it right? Yeah. And he's all the way in Montevideo, Uruguay. He's a software engineer. I thought, what a great person to talk to. So uh, why, don't, why don't you briefly introduce yourself? All right. Thanks for having me, Rich. So uh, as you said, I'm a software engineer. I almost got uh, a decade in, of professional experience in the field. I mainly do Android uh, for a living. Um, I live here in Montevideo, uh, Uruguay's capital. We live in, in a, an apartment uh, with my girlfriend on the neighborhood of Punta Carretas. Uh, we both studied in, in the public state university, which is called uh, the University uh, of the Republic. And I also study part-time as a hobby, uh, music. Uh, I'm doing the music uh, producer career at uh, a, a local conservatory here, which is called Conservatorio Sur. And that's pretty much it. I think it, it sums up. Uh, sums all up. The yeah. <laughs> uh, why don't you describe, like, a, do you know, have like a brief history of Uruguay? A brief history? Yeah. Uh, sorry, it's just cut. A brief oh, history yeah. of, of Uruguay. Yeah, that's the thing. We're so far away, it's, you know, might cut in. Sure. Cut um, so, the history of Uruguay. Your Uruguay. Yeah, uh, we are actually uh, like a mixture of European descendants, mostly from Italy and Spain, but also from, from other parts, of course. So it's interesting because uh, Uruguay was colonized by the Spanish and the Portuguese at different times in history. And uh, during that time, uh, there was uh, people got incentivized to, to come live here with nobility titles and so on. But eventually a nation formed uh, that felt independent from the Spanish and the Portuguese. And well, they started fighting back uh, in the the territory was under the the the, the Spanish and the Portuguese uh, during some time, and eventually what happened was interesting. Uh, basically, the English came and and just say, okay, let, let's let's do this an independent country. Uh, and neither of you can have it. So the three of them uh, made a disagreement. And that's how we got our independence. So it's really? not like, the, yeah, it's <laughs> not like the English guy, uh, like the, they were all just good intentions. 
there was a, a pretty good uh, motivation for, for them to do that. And basically it's because uh, there's a, a very natural and important port uh, here in Montevideo, and which was the entrance for for all the the merchant uh, for all the economy that that, that yeah. the English were were coming and they were taking things from 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 South America and it was one of the main ports as, at the time in South America, so they didn't want to to be paying to to one of them uh, to use that port. So the oh, solution that they had it was. <laughs> to have this uh, be an independent country so the, they they didn't have uh, to go through through the spanish or, or the portuguese interesting and well uh, uruguay ha has always been a very progressive country you might even have heard uh, about i have heard in, that in politics like yeah. in the last century but very early on like in the start of the first century, it was uh, one of the first uh, countries in, in Latin America to, to separate the church from the state in 1919. Um, also, one of the first countries in the world to, to give women to the right to vote. It was the first one in Latin America. It was uh, even before the US, if I recall correctly. It was in 1917. And more recently, you might have heard about all these progressive uh, politics that, that, that were, were in place, uh, legalization of marijuana, uh, legalization of the Morrison, uh, one laptop per child in high schools uh, and in, 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 pre in, in elementary school. Uh, so... <laughs> So uh, how, how does right. a country like what what um what's the culture like in Uruguay that it it spurs kind of this more like progressive type of policies? Um what's the culture like in here in Uruguay? Well I, I guess that there's a lot of historical reasons that that we are the way we are. And if you were to come here to, to UI, you would notice that uh, a lot of similarities between the way that people in Spain and Italy live. Uh, I have experienced that okay. firsthand from a recent trip to, to Spain. Yeah, uh, I saw that, yeah. <laughs> And I, I would say that the rhythm of life here in, in Montevideo in particular, uh, it's not slow, but it's slower than in, in many cities. Like uh, okay. we like to take uh, a little bit more, more time to, uh, to do things and not be rushed all the time. Like, like you see people in Buenos Aires or, or, or in New York City. And we like, a fun fact is that we have like the longest carnival on earth, uh, even longer than, than Brazil. Really? And, yeah. <laughs> it takes place in, in, in the month of, of February, uh, okay. in summer here. Uh, it's the longest one on earth. Uh, <laughs> wow. 
Yeah. What are some of the differences between Uruguay and, and the other surrounding South American countries? Well, I, well, there aren't too many surrounding it, right? Yeah, we, we are surrounded by Argentina and Brazil. Yeah. So those are two big countries, uh, really. Very big, yeah. yeah. So obviously we, with Argentina, we share the language, uh, Spanish, uh, and that's not the case with Brazil. Mm-hmm. Uh, but there, there are a lot of things that, uh, that you can find that we have in common. Uh, in particular, if, if you visit Buenos Aires, you can see that uh, there's a lot of culture and, and things that we share with them. Although, if you ask an Uruguayan, like, if you compare them to someone from Buenos Aires, they, they probably won't like that, <laughs> won't like it that much. So, but in the end, we, we, we share a lot of, of things, really, and they are probably the, the ones that are more like us uh, in, in many ways. Okay. What, so, what, uh... what are the differences? Yeah. Uh, yeah, or what's right. what's something distinctive Uruguayan that others don't share? Well, uh, one of the common things that you can see uh, day to day is people drinking mate here. Perhaps you have heard yeah. of it. So it, it's basically like a hot infusion uh, that you drink. And... People carry mate uh, and the, their thermo, which uh, is the, the, the thing that you, you car you you go with like one liter one liter of hot water, they carry it everywhere. So you can be on the bus and people just come off the, the bus with it, or they could be doing shopping at the shopping mall and they go go with it. So uh, it, it, it's something that may cut your attention. It's like I know that people that uh, came from other countries to, to visit Uruguay, they, they see why is everyone carrying that around? Yeah, and it's so heavy. <laughs> so it's something that that you won't see, for for example, in, in Buenos Aires. They do they do drink mat as well, but they do it at, at their home. They don't carry it everywhere uh, as we do here. What, so what exactly is mata? You said it's a hot water. Is it like a tea or? Yeah, I will, I will say that you can say that it tastes like, like tea, but it's very bitter. And it's something that you probably need to, to drink to, to see how, how, you, how it tastes. Uh, but okay. probably the, the closest one, it, it would be like, like a tea, a very bitter uh, tea. Okay. Huh. And it, it has a lot of social connotations as well because it's something that, that people uh, just have a, a very uh, nice preparation or some people ritual, uh, you, you may say, and they okay. just share the, the matter with everyone that they are talking with. For example, if you go out with some friends uh, to see the sunset or to, to talk, in the afternoon, uh, they will share it and, and just pass it around in, in, the, in the round. 
And it, it's something that uh, accompanies many people in, in their morning. For example, it, it helps them to, to wake up uh, and um, like just instead of um, drinking coffee, for example, many people substitute it with, with mate. That's interesting. I did not know that at all. Yeah, and what's very interesting is that I've seen a lot of people that uh, are not from, from this region uh, drinking mate in the US or Mexico, uh, and many people are hearing about it. And in, in Europe as well, uh, I, I guess many people know about this because of the Rewind players that carry the, the mate around every, everywhere. So. And uh, now in, in all major cities, you, you can actually uh, buy the what's called the yerba mate or sherba mate, as, as we say here in Uruguay. Oh, that's awesome. That's awesome. <laughs> so if you have an open day, how do you choose to spend it? Well, uh, with my girlfriend, we, we really enjoy taking long walks uh, alongside the what we call the rambas, which in some uh, cities, uh, I guess that they call them promenades. Uh, it's basically the sidewalk next to, next to the beach. So we have like 30 kilometers or more uh, of rambla. And it's it's a very Uruguayan thing or Montevideo thing, I would say, to, to do. Uh, go to the rambla. Uh, walk, enjoy some time there, see the sunset. Um, so that's that's something that I I, I would recommend uh, someone to, to do. Of course, go see the sunset at the Ramba, definitely. And then obviously it depends on, on, on the person, what they enjoy. Um, wherever I go to to country, uh, I try to, to enjoy their the culinary art and seeing go to to restaurants uh, and see what they have to offer and i think montevideo has a lot to to offer in restaurants there are uh, a lot of good restaurants that i would suggest them to go uh so yeah so it's like right on the water i'm looking at google oh, images okay. right now of the city and uh so you you mentioned the sunset so yeah. montevideo faces south right so is yes. this the we are the going to be on the side of you instead of in front of you it's going to be uh, it's going to be on the side yeah but it depends on where you are right <laughs> obviously yeah yeah huh. so uh, in the part of, of the rambla that uh, i'm telling you uh, which uh, it would be the the west side uh, you will see a perfect sunset there. Yeah, I'm looking at some of these photos. They're pretty mm -hmm. awesome. The, the architecture is pretty interesting. Yeah, and that, that's, that's right. Another thing that I would suggest uh, someone coming to, to Montevideo to do is to walk through uh, the avenue called 18 de Julio and end up in the old town and there's a lot of architecture there and i even realized that uh, guiding some people that were not from here and i will realize about all this architecture that i had not seen really because i was not paying attention 
and because I, I, I've always lived here, there are some things that you don't see uh, with that detail since you grew up here. And once you, you start showing people, you realize uh, how, how precious they are and, and that they, they are not so typical of uh, other, other places. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I noticed that too. And it's like, it's important to be aware of what's around you because people are coming to visit and they're like so amazed by everything. And here you experience it every day and take it for granted, right? Hmm. Uh, it's interesting. I want to switch over to Spain a little bit. Tell me more about your trip. This is like a, like okay. a hiking expedition in Spain, right? Yeah. Uh, Camino de Santiago uh, is actually very old and it has, uh, I would say, a lot of religious connotations uh, to okay. it. So basically, uh, the peregrinos uh, were the people that Uh, would just do all these this different paths and end up in Santiago de Compostela, uh, which is uh, a city that they have this uh, gigantic cathedral, uh, all the, in gold and very precious, very nice. And we as a group, like I have a, a group of friends Uh, we've done Machu Picchu, we've done Torres del Paine and other places. And we mostly do it uh, because we like uh, doing these kind of expeditions, hiking, uh, getting together and seeing beautiful places and uh, discovering uh, this type of, of things. So I will guess we did it mainly for, you could call it maybe spiritual reasons uh, as they They ask you when, when you go to, to do it, they ask you, are you doing it for tourism, spiritual reasons, for oh, really? religious reasons? So you need to fill a, a form there. And we really enjoyed it. Uh, we did. Uh, so before I, I start saying that, uh, I, I like to let you know that there are actually many paths to, to Santiago. I'm looking, are... I'm looking at a map right now of the, all the paths. Oh, I see. So we did the French path, uh, which starts in France, but uh, we Camino only did... France, Francis. Yeah. Or, so yeah. that's when, that's basically the French path, uh, in Camino de Frances. And there are others. Uh, there's the original one. There's the Portuguese. There's the one in the north that goes through through Bilbao uh, and on the, the whole coast in, in Spain, which I was told was very nice. And th there are many more even. And each person starts where, where they want, really. Uh, we started in, in a city called Astorga, which is in the way of the, the French path. And it's uh, 260 kilometers away from Santiago. So we did uh, that distance uh, by foot in 11 days. Okay, I'm trying to think. Um, I'm trying to calculate in my head. We did 260 uh, so kilometers. Just, yes, just so you, you know, we did around uh, from 22 to 30 kilometers per day. Wow. So you're doing a lot of walking. Yeah, we, we did a, a lot of walking. <laughs> so what did you do? So you walked to, it looks like you would walk to one of these, um, 
what are these the, these cities? And then there's like things to do, I would imagine, or places to see. I'm looking at this map and then there's like all these dots and icons. Is that how did you kind of organize your trip? Like per day, you would walk to another place. Would you then like sightsee a little bit or would you just go to sleep and then just get ready for the next day? So let me tell you what happened. We had an idea on what we were going to do. Okay, of course. And, and we had planned some of these things. And particularly a friend of mine was the one that organized most of it. Uh, and we did an Excel, he did even a presentation and everything, we had everything organized. And when we arrived the, the first day and you mostly stay, stay at, at local hostels uh, and, and things called albergues, which are kind of, of a hostel. And due to COVID, they, they, they have 50% of occupation or even less in, in some places. Okay. And we stayed uh, at a place uh, which is owned by, by a, a lady from, from Brazil that she did the, the Camino and then she decided to stay there long ago. And she, we told them what we were going to do. And she was like, no, 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 no. You need to do this, this, and this. And we were like, <laughs> we were, we were going to do a, a city, a free walking city tour uh -huh. for like at 10 a.m. or something like that. And then start walking. And she was like, no, you cannot do that. Like, uh, you need to start walking early uh, because of the sun and everything. And well, she was like a mother to, to the group of us in, in that wow. She gave us a lot of tips. So I think we started in the right food there, thanks to, to her help. And so every day we will wake up at 5.30 or 6, depending on the difficulty of what we had ahead. And we okay. will arrive uh, towards the, the midday or 2 p.m. max. So one of the things that may worry you the most uh, when you, you do the path is the sun, uh, especially at that time of the year in, in the end of August, well, okay. it was the time that, well, that we did it. And it's much harder to, to do it if it's hot and, and you need to be climbing some, some, something. Yeah. It's, it's a lot harder. Uh, for us, I think we, it did it did very well, uh, the, the weather, really. We had very beautiful days. Uh, just one day, which it rained, but it was actually nice because it was cool and we didn't have, a, like, it was very comfortable to, to walk like that. So it, it was just... So you walked in the rain. Uh, yeah, it, but not, not that much rain, really. It rained okay. for, for a bit and then it was just cloudy and it was great to, to walk that way. So you, you're trying to avoid the sun as much as possible, right? Yeah, uh, everyone does <laughs> in the Camino. Yeah. So what? What are your? What were your favorite parts of the trip? The favorite part of the Camino to me is uh, meeting people along the way. Uh, so we were a group of, of seven, uh, all from Uruguay, but uh, we will always end up splitting because. First of all, everyone has its own pace. And then because I think it's good to, to just 
have your stages, like do some stages alone and meet other people and just talk and, and get to know people that are doing it, why they are doing it, where they come from, what their experiences have been. And along the way, I, I met some wonderful people. Uh, we, we met somebody from, from Bilbao, which accompanies us most of the, of the trip. He was going uh, mostly the, the same pace that we, we were going. I made a couple of friends uh, from Barcelona, who, like they later joined the group. So, and, and you also see other people that have other groups that are going more or less uh, at your pace. And you see that many of them actually started uh, solo. Uh, they started doing oh, it, really? uh, yeah, on on their own. And they, then they they started forming these groups, and they would stay at albergues and hostels together. So, like, uh, I think a, a very important part of, of the journey of doing the Camino is actually meeting people. And uh, in, in all these things that you do trekking, I think it's one of the things that you remember the most, the, the people that, that you have met. So you're with a group of friends who you have like a close relationship with. And then in addition, you're meeting other people that you might stay in touch with during that time. Right. And some people, you met them for a few hours and you do a, a little bit uh, together. Other people, you may meet them for, for the whole journey. Uh, it depends. <laughs> so, yeah. but I remember I, I met someone from from the US. Uh, he's from New York, okay. and he's an educator. And well, we had a, a very good talk uh, in, in a stage of the of the of the Camino. He, he actually started in, in France, so he was doing 700 plus kilometers. It was pretty insane. Wow. Huh. So what happens when you, you arrive at the destination? What is that like? Well, the, the interesting thing is that you go through several cities and, and various small towns. Some of mm -hmm. these towns are just live because of, of the Camino, uh, because of the people that stay there. So yeah. you may encounter some very small towns that are just 20 people living there or people that actually don't live there but come to, to work uh, there. And you may stay at any stage that you want. So some people may stay there and some others may stay in the next town. So maybe in, in that day you won't see them, but in the next day you may encounter them again as, as, you, as you pass them uh, when, while you are doing the, the Camino. That's awesome. So where does this trip rank in your experiences hiking and stuff? Oh, it's, I, I think that that's hard to, to do. Uh, especially because it's been so recent, but I think it's very valuable. And there are different, different aspects to it because if you were to say about uh, like the, the sightseeing that we did, I would probably put Torres del Paine, which is the Chilean Patagonia first, uh, because it's the place that I've seen the most beautiful sightseeing, mountains, everything from icebergs to 
to mountain, uh, it has everything. Uh, but then from, from other aspects like meeting people uh, and eating in Spain, you eat very well. And <laughs> it's, it's incredible. Uh, like uh, you could tr- rank it in, in the first place. Like one thing I don't know if you know about Spain is that they they eat two plates. Like uh, they they have two servings uh, in 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 lunch, uh, and that's something that I'm not used to. To and well, since we were walking so much and burning so much calories, that was uh, great to have. Uh, but it's not something that uh, at least in, here in UI we are used to to doing. Wow. So, so you have this trip, you said you did the Chilean, Patagonia, Patagonia, and Machu Picchu. Have you done other hikes? And are, are there some that you want to do in the future? Yeah, there, there's definitely many that I want to do. I've done some, I, I would say, day trips here in, in UI, but n- nothing that compares to to those, I would say, and I, I want to to go. Uh, there's there's this region uh, which is all across Canada and and the U.S. the, the Rocky Mountains. Uh, so there's a lot there. Uh, which uh, which one is that called? The Rocky Mountains. Oh, you just want to do Rocky Mountains? Do you ever hear about the Appalachian Trail? Sorry, the what? Sir? The Appalachian Trail is that something you hear about? Um, I don't think so. Uh, it, are you talking about the train that goes all through Canada? No, no, it's there's like a um, something I hear like hikers talk about is like the Appalachian Trail, like on the east part of the United States, mm. kind of like older mountains. Um, but, I haven't heard of it. But you haven't heard something it. Check it out. I don't know. I okay. don't know if, if that's the Appalachian Trail. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Are there uh, any other continents you want to hike on? Sure, of course. I just started with Europe. Yeah, so uh-huh. this was actually my first visit uh, to Europe. Uh, I have all oh, your cool. two visits still, and there's a lot uh, in Asia, of course. And there's a lot still in, in the Americas to to, yeah. to discover. What was Machu Picchu like? Oh, it, it, it's an incredible journey. We did what's called the Salkantide Trail, and it's over five days. You end up sleeping in in the middle of the mountains, and it's 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 journey so before i went to machu picchu i had never seen a, a mountain before so when we went there and i i woke up on on the bus as we were going uh, i woke up and it was like 6 a.m or something like that it was barely so it was dark and it was barely getting some light and i i saw like this gigantic mountain and the it was very impactful, and then I kind of realized why they they worship the, these mountains as gods, the people that, that live there. And it has like it has very 
there are incredible sightseeings uh, along the way. Um, what I enjoyed the most in that trip is doing all the, the way. We, we went up to, to a mountain that was uh, 5,700 meters uh, tall. And I think uh, Machu Picchu, it's, it's impactful, the place itself, uh, because of how where it's situated and everything. But for me, the journey and, and doing all this uh, walking and going through the mountains and everything, uh, it was much more special and enjoyable to me than just uh, seeing the, the place. Yeah. Uh, and I'm not taking like merit. Uh, the place is great. Many people even just go directly and see uh, the place itself without doing all this walking uh-huh. but uh, but you earned it <laughs> you went on the walk. right yeah. it's another like it's another feeling also arriving after doing all that wow interesting yeah so you've you've been been all those are some good spots i definitely want to do machu picchu huh well switching gears a little bit all right switching major gears here what sparked your interest <laughs> in software engineering all right and so that's i would say that's that was like very natural to me like since i was oh, let, let me explain so since i was uh, a kid like i would always be disassembling toys computers switching hardware and like just messing with with things uh, and playing video games of course so when when i decided to to do university to, and i was between electrical engineering and computer engineer so it, it was uh, like it felt very natural to, to me to to take that direction and then before finishing my my degree i actually started working which is very common here in in uruguay that most yeah. people uh, start working much earlier than they than they graduate so as i started working and this was uh, at a product company i started seeing all the challenges that uh, entail shipping uh, a software product and not only the technical aspects but also the the soft skills and the people uh, that the team that you need to to be able to to deliver that so there are a lot of challenges and it's very complex and very interesting it's a whole field uh, software engineer so i got uh, i know that I, I started developing a passion for for processes and in some more in development and it's something that uh, I really enjoyed. And well, uh, I I knew that I wanted to to pursue that uh, that uh, that path. That's awesome. So, what like in the infra- information age that we live in? What's the role of like software engineers, and how do you see it evolving in the future? Right. So big question. <laughs> that, that- <laughs> That's a very interesting question. And the thing that has changed the most over the, the last decades is that each decade, uh, 
more industries depend more heavily on software. So that's something that uh, most people are realizing now, if they haven't uh, over the last decade at least, but many industries that uh, probably some decades ago were seeing software as something so, so far from them, uh, actually realized that uh, it's very important and that uh, it has impacted uh, their industry. So there are many cases uh, that, that have happened in, in the industry, like um, Uber, Airbnb, uh, all these delivery platforms that they have disrupted the, their spaces. Mm-hmm. And, and well, for example, in the taxi industry, they, they probably did not see that coming until it came. Yeah. Or <laughs> and, hotel, hotel chains and things like yeah. that, I'm sure. Yeah, uh, and the thing with software is that uh, it can have a, a very profound impact in, in the software that that they they disrupt. So, and each time, like w- with the pandemic, it happened the same. Like uh, for many employers and many industries that uh, they were not so connected uh, w- with software and tech in general. The, they had to to do some steps uh, in order to, to allow remote workers and, and so on. And many many employers had to, to adapt their business uh, to be able to survive even yeah. uh, during this pandemic. So like for software engineers, uh, there are as many different roles as there are industries uh, and capabilities that they can do. So there are many different challenges in 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 software that that you can do really yeah so so i'm so you are you busier now with covid because everybody's having to adapt and go remotely and do things more online in their computers or is it pretty much you have if i'm busy yeah busier yeah You there? Sorry, uh, yeah, it cut. froze a little bit. <laughs> so you were asking if I if I've been busy, right? Yeah, are you busier now with COVID? I never people have been had busier. to adapt. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So uh, since COVID started, like I've been working a lot, really, and this started uh, with with COVID itself because at the company I was working on. on I was working at, uh, we actually developed the the mobile application for, for the country, for, for oh. UI. We were actually one of the first countries to, to have the mobile app uh, available and integrating with Google's and, and Apple's API. So I actually stayed at the company uh, specifically to, to develop the, uh, the first versions of, of this app. And it's been very successful. So that first month uh, we had the whole team uh, working 24 7. Wow. so it was it was very tough and we we launched the the first version in just a week uh, so, so what what app is this you said it's a coronavirus app for for ui okay and so here in uruguay uh, we had our first cases on march 13th of last year 
And on yeah, March so that's, 20th, yeah. we, we launched the app. Um, so you wow. can imagine the pressure that we had. Yeah, congrats but, to you for getting that done so quickly. Yeah, it was very successful. Even uh, the company got letters from, from Tim Cook and Sander Pichet themselves. Uh, so I think uh, the company uh, got a lot of recognition for, for that work. Wow. So you're, you're really interested in technology and you interact with it. You say you play video games and you like, yeah, you're I on computers a lot, quite a bit. <laughs> uh, I, w- I wish I could, but uh, like I noticed that uh, like five years ago, I just stopped. And... You stopped playing video games five years ago? Right. Yeah. yeah. I played my, my whole life, but like five years ago, like, I guess uh, things change in, in your life and like yeah. you have other things now. <laughs> yeah, I haven't played video games in like 10, 12 years, maybe. <laughs> but but you're around technology a lot. Do you see what kind of trends do you see happening within society just being kind of in the tech industry? Right. I think... It's mostly what, what I was talking about earlier. Uh, there are industries that uh, didn't have much contact with, with software that were disrupted by, by these tech uh, platforms that were created, like mm-hmm. Uber, Airbnb. And what they do is like they have a strong relationship with, with the consumers and they have they offer a, a high value to, to the providers. And in many cases, the, that value it's so strong, and they are so in contact with, with the consumers that providers have no other choice but to go with them. And I, I've seen that happen in, in many industries now. Uh, so I think that that's a, a trend that that's actually been talked uh, quite a lot. Uh, they call it also the incumbent and. There's a lot of readings uh, about it and how how powerful that can be. And many people are trying to, in the tech industry, are trying to do the same with other industries. Um, so that that's, I would say that's a very strong trend that, that has happened uh, over this last decade. Huh. So it's like... Uh... If I'm, if I'm trying to comprehend this, so it's almost like taking many industries that weren't tech savvy and now making them all kind of uh, tech involved with tech in a way. Well, I, I don't, the thing with, with tech, it's not like it's just, putting software just because of it, for the sake of okay. it, but because software enables you uh, to do things that you cannot do uh, with, with other forms. And it, it allows you to, to automate things uh, in a way that you cannot do uh, w- with other methods. And that's why these companies are able to, to create such a, such a strong value. So it's about value using using these new new ways or new methods to add more value for customers and users. Yeah. Got it. 
Yeah, and these companies like they they, they act as an intermediary between uh, the consumers and the providers, and so from their side they, they have these two kind of uh, very different users. Um, what they care to do the most is be really close to to the consumers, uh, which is basically the market. So they 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 have the markets, so they are able to to then negotiate with with the providers. And basically, the price as far up up as they can uh, once they they have the the markets. Huh. Interesting. So, what what music do you listen to? Um, it varies a lot. So, uh, as you know, I'm very into music, and I, I say I would say that I have stages that I'm, for example, I'm discovering an artist, and I will listen to his or her albums, and I tend to listen to indie music and many local music here in, in Montevideo and Uruguay, uh, rather than. Uh, the typical uh, commercial music. And there's a lot of good artists here in, in Uruguay. And that's something that I tried to, to discover. Back when there was no COVID, I, I used to, to go often to, to see uh, some indie artists uh, presenting uh, their, their work. And it varies a lot. Uh, I like... Uh, indie rock uh, like there's a lot of genres really and i wouldn't pick one really uh, what are some are... names of uruguayan artists for me to write down oh for you okay so there are some very known ones like you could say jorge drexler uh, is one of them he he's actually living in madrid uh, at the moment but uh, he's famous, uh, especially worldwide, because he won an Oscar for one one movie. So he's the first Uruguayan to to won an Oscar, and he's very talented composer as well. Okay, uh, his music is very good, really. And then there are many like um popular rock bands uh, you could say not te va gustar or la triple nelson that they, they are they are known across the, the americas repeat those again and not te va gustar which means you are not gonna like it in spanish <laughs> <laughs> <It's>... <laughs> And another one that, that, that's very good is Cuarteto de Nos. What does that mean in Spanish? Oh, that's an interesting question. <laughs> a, a cuarteto is uh, four people from a band. Okay. I'm not sure why it's de Nos, really. Yeah. So is there is there like a um, close relationship between Uruguay and Spain still? Sure, of course. Uh, yeah. I, I, many of us are, are descendants. Like 
My grand grandparent, uh, he's from Spain and he's actually from Galicia, which is the part that I visited and that, that's where Santiago Compostela is. So for me, the this trip that I did recently, it was also special because uh, I, I got in contact where, where my grand grandparent came from. And Many people are descendants from Spain, and there are there's a strong culture here in Uruguay from from Spain. In many, there are many things that you can see that uh, are are strongly related from names of things that uh, come also from from Spain to just habits like having dinner uh, later in, in the in the day than most countries for example we have dinner uh, around 8 p.m to 10 p.m so as okay. an american you will be surprised about that i'm pretty sure and yeah. like people in spain just have dinner later in in, in the day and the, in italy i think it's also a uh, fairly common to, to do that as well. So you can see how the way we are counts uh, very much influenced by how our ancestors, uh, the, the culture that they yeah. have. Yeah, that is, that's fascinating. It makes a lot <laughs> of sense too. What's, uh, one of the last questions I have for you is, what's something you're curious about recently? All right. <sighs> I'm always uh, curious about some things um, that I have my mind on. So recently, it was more about my grand-grandparent, as I was talking about. And I actually spent some time talking with my mother about it and all the, the things that she knew about uh, him because uh, she actually met him and she, she was able to, to talk with him how many of the recipes in, in the family like uh, the tortilla uh, like came from from Spain and so that, that's very interesting and then like in the music side I'm I'm getting to know uh, an artist uh, which is very influential here uh, which was well because he's not alive anymore but he's still very much alive in in the sense of uh, all the music that he created, which is called Eduardo Mateo. And that, that's a, a huge name here in, in Uruguay. What's, what's the name again? It's Eduardo Mateo. Okay. Cool. So he composed uh, a lot of very different music uh, and I'm, I'm getting to know many of it. Very cool. Well, the last question I have for you is what's, what's your impression of Americans? <laughs> my impression, my personal impression. Yeah. Well, I, I did a trip in 2019. Uh, I went through the United States and, and Canada. Like I was traveling through the U.S. for, for one month. And I went from um, San Francisco, Seattle, Cleveland, Chicago, Nashville, uh, Columbus, Ohio. Yeah, you've, yeah, you've done some traveling. Yeah, you're I, in the I, States. I did, a, 
like I and I went through through all these cities doing couch surfing mostly. So I got to know local people from from there, and it was it was a great trip really. And I got to know a lot of, of the US. And one of the the things that many people don't realize is that how different it can be in, in, in yeah. the US. It's it's a huge country really, and there are very different cultural uh, things uh, depending on where you are. Yeah. And one of the things is that we actually consume a lot of, of content from the US. Mm-hmm. Um, so a lot of it comes through Hollywood. A lot of mm-hmm. it comes through YouTube. Uh, like children these days, they, they, they know a lot of things because they watch youtube a lot uh, yeah. we use netflix a lot so we have a strong uh, like a strong influences from from the us uh, media and culture but like the media that comes through through these services is mostly like one-sided like and you don't realize how different it can be uh, in, yeah. in the us uh, if you just watch this content yeah. And so I think people here uh, like don't really have that much strong opinions uh, about the US in general. Uh, but they they are pretty much aware of it and yeah. I've seen people go crazy when some big brand from the US comes like Starbucks, Forever 21. Oh Google. yeah. Like people will go crazy and line up <laughs> like it was there was no tomorrow. Wow. Interesting. <laughs> in the first days. Yeah. Was, what did you think of Chicago when you came here? Oh, it's incredible, uh, the architecture. Uh, yeah. And it's very cool that, like, you can go and drink uh, a wine by the river and people with yachts. <laughs> 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 and that's, that's something I, I've never seen, like, in other, in other places, like, in the middle of the city. Yeah. It'd be like that. Um, I, I enjoyed my, my time in Chicago. I feel like, uh, like... Uh, I should spend more time because I think I was like three to four days uh, and it's very big uh, yeah. Chicago as well. Yeah. Well, thanks for coming on Juan. This is, this has been great talking with you. I appreciate it. I, I say the same. <laughs> thanks for listening to rich conversations. Again, you can follow Juan on Instagram at Juan Deanna seven. Have an adventurous day.